Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back. This is America's Heroes Group Roundtable with our partner, the Veterans Advocacy Project. And remember, March is National Women's History Month and Disability Awareness Month. Today is Saturday, March 26, 2022. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. And a digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And today we have a great topic. We're going to talk about some things as it pertains to law. We're doing a lot of stuff about the law today. Bringing down the law. So we have our partner, Brent G. Filbert. He's a retired uh, U.S. Navy veteran for 30 years. He spent time in, in the U.S. military. He's a professor, a director of military law, and also a veteran advocacy, pro- works on a veteran advocacy project. He also worked at the Pentagon for many years. And we have a panelist, Martha M. Bradley. She's an attorney and a fellow at the University of Missouri Law School Veteran Clinic. How are you guys doing today? Good, Sean. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. So what do we have to talk about today about we're talking about veterans in rural areas and some of the specific needs that they have. So what can you tell us about that as it pertains to the law and what types of services do they need? Sure. Um, so I'll kick this off, Sean, and then I'll let Martha take over. So I, I asked Martha to be on the show because um, there are really unique um, – well, rural veterans are unique in many ways. They make up a huge portion of our active military, and then, of course, turn into veterans. And the, the challenges and issues with respect to being able to serve them uh, in many different ways is um, an issue for, for rural veterans, uh, are often very remote, um, and that sort of thing. And so Martha is at the University of Missouri uh, Law School at the Veterans Clinic there, and they have a really unique program to for outreach to rural veterans. So I invited her on the show uh, to talk about that program and talk about what it's like to, you know, reach out to rural veterans, how that works, um, you know, developments in that area of the law as well. So I'll let Martha um, take it away in terms of explaining what what they do at University of Missouri and and how all that works. Thanks, Brent. Yeah, so the Mizzou Law Veterans Clinic is um, a really unique unique program in and of itself. We are able to train law students um, in the practical sense that um, they can represent clients, but our clients are unique because we represent veterans. So um, we represent veterans free of charge in their disability compensation and discharge upgrade claims. Um, and there are no, there's no shortage of clients out there, but um, we try to target specifically rural parts of the state of Missouri. Um, the reason we, we target the rural um, parts of Missouri with our Tigers for Troops program is, as Brent was alluding to, that veterans in these areas tend to have um, just less resources available to them. So we like to reach out to them, um, get on the road, and go meet with them face-to-face to connect them, not only with us, but other resources across the state. What kind of resources are they lacking? What kind of resources can they take advantage of? Yeah, so a lot of times it's less access to health care. Um, it's, you know, these areas have higher poverty rates. Residents have poorer health. There's travel issues because there's only so many um, veterans, you know, VA health care um, 
hospitals and outpatient clinics throughout the state that they can visit. Um, so, yeah, it turns into lack of transportation, um, and sometimes it's just an imperfect understanding of VA benefits as a whole. Um, so we go sit down with them and we discuss, you know, what what are they eligible for? Can they get enrolled in VA health care for free um, and save a little bit of money? Are they um, suffering from a current disability or disease, something that they can connect back to service um, and end up getting compensation from the VA for? So, um yeah, there's there's lots of resources out there, and mostly in urban areas you see these um, in the form of the Missouri Veterans Commission has several veteran service officers across the state, but unfortunately I think the numbers in Missouri, um, I believe it's 83 of the 114 counties do not have veteran service officers. So a lot of times it's us going to these areas and either taking them on as clients or um, pointing them in the direction of those service officers um, just to help them out a little bit in that aspect, just so they, they know that these resources are available. I think that's really important. There's something I wanted to bring up, just because it's, it's, I think it's relevant to what we're talking about. And I think it gives us some clarity about also, too, the need for more attention for people that live in rural areas, veterans particularly live in rural areas. Last year, there was a Sergeant Ketchum, Ketchum Rural Veterans Mental Health Act. Uh, if you guys could talk a little bit about that, what the story was of Sergeant Ketchum, um, what happened to him, and then this was actually enacted, put into federal law last year, um, and and vouched for by President Biden. What happened in this act? Why was this brought about? And what's, what was Sergeant Ketchum's story? Uh, for uh, Brian, why don't you take that? Yeah. So yeah. So that it's a really really sad story. Um, he was a veteran out of um, uh, Iowa, a Marine who. Um, once he left active duty, had started exhibiting mental health problems, serious mental health problems. And in, and in um, kind of the long story short of it was that he really wasn't, the VA did not really um, help him in a way that he should have been helped and acknowledge that he, had, that he had these serious issues regarding, you know, suicidal ideations and that sort of thing. And he ended up uh, committing suicide um, after a couple of years of this sort of bouncing around with the VA. And so that act was really to um, to have more outreach to rural veterans, so they have access to that sort of uh, that care, that mental health care, which comes into play in a different way. One, it, it provides them with with health care, which could be life changing. You can get them on the right track, you know, with PTSD or TBI or whatever it is they're experiencing, and also it can connect them to if they're entitled to disability compensation, which then can provide them with a base, you know, income, then they can get themselves back on their feet. But that's, that was the story of that. It was a very, very tragic story. But, um, you know, his family really kept fighting for it and ended up with this act, which was is very important. And I think it's a trend in the future that there's going to be more, um, you know, rural programs like this. And I wanted to ask Martha, kind of leading into that, Martha, and also just full disclosure, Martha was a student of mine at the University of Missouri Law School, so she better do well today in terms of, like, how she, how she uh, <laughs> No but, pressure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, like, Missouri has this program, right, where you go out into rural areas and try and help veterans and connect them with all these resources. Has that grown? In, and I know Missouri was one of the first states to really do it. Has that grown into uh, other locations in the country? We have, we have listeners from all over. I wondered if it's really expanded um, or not. Yeah, that's a good question. You're, like you said, there's uh, a listserv. So we've got, it's called 
it's a it's a long acronym, National Law School Veterans Clinic Consortium. So we're not the only law school veterans clinic in the country. There are several. Um, and I do think a few have, have followed in our footsteps. Uh, but like Brent said, we were the first to do um, the rural outreach program. The, the one that comes to mind, I think Montana Law School does have a program that's pretty similar. Um, but to that vein, um, not all of the clinics help veterans with disability compensation and discharge upgrades. Sometimes they're helping them in criminal matters. So it kind of varies, but I, I do think Montana has a similar program. Um, but we were the first to kind of put something like this on the map. And then, Martha, being a, a relatively new attorney, what has what, how have your eyes opened up to what some of the, the, the challenges the veterans have? And also, if I may ask you, what is your connection to veterans? Do you have any veterans in your family? And how, like, once again, go back to that first question, how has that changed your perspective of what veterans go through, particularly in rural areas? Yeah, so I, I actually don't have any veterans um, close in my family. I have some great uncles who served, but um, I don't have, you know, like my father didn't serve. I don't have siblings who served. I actually had hoped to serve. Uh, it just never really fit into my into my path. Um, and then luckily I got hooked up with the Veterans Clinic, so I thought, if I can't serve myself, what better way, you know, to give back to veterans um, than to do something like this? I didn't realize, um, you know, how big of a problem it was. The uh, Supreme Court came down a few years ago with a statistic that I'm not sure is accurate today, but at one point it was they were saying that um, 80% of these cases were remanded due to error, well, which is a lot. Yes. So uh-huh. these so these the VA is just getting these claims wrong all the time. Um, and, you know, the VA created, uh, you know, these programs and have, has this promise to veterans um, that they promise to take care of them, take care of those who born the battle. Um, and unfortunately, it's not always um, clear that they're keeping their promise. The disability compensation program is meant to be paternalistic, meant to be non-adversarial. It was never meant to be the VA against the veteran, but unfortunately, in practice, that's kind of how it turns out. Um, as a lawyer, I see these forms and you know these appeals, and I'm like, there's no way a veteran could do this on their own. There's absolutely no way. But that's how it was meant to be. These veterans were supposed to be able to do all of this on their own, and um, there are times when us lawyers sit down and look at this claim and look at these forms, look at this argument, and we're like, what the heck do we do? I mean, it's hard for us sometimes. So um, that's been pretty eye-opening to me um, that, yeah, veterans are expected to navigate this really complex claims process by themselves, and it just it doesn't work out like that. Um, luckily, we have the resources um, and the ability to help these veterans um, win their claims, but it, a lot of times it takes tens of thousands of dollars um, to send them to get new medical opinions, get expert opinions, new, uh, go see different doctors because some of the VA practitioners just don't do a great job on these examinations and these reports. So, um, and we're, we're able to give that, these services to the veterans for free. So otherwise um, they would either quit when they get that first denial um, quit when they get that second denial, maybe that third, but the veterans clinic, uh, we don't give up. We just, we never give up. And sometimes it takes five years. Sometimes it takes eight years. But um, when we finally get that veteran um, granted their benefits, it's a really sweet day. It's a really fun. Um, it's really fun when you get to call the client and say, Hey, you got, 
that rating, we were trying to get, go check your bank account. There's probably $100,000 sitting in there of tax-free money. So that's a good day in the office when you get to call uh, your your client and um, give that information to them. So how do veterans get a hold of, to find out, first of all, in their state if they have something like that? I know, like in Illinois, we have um, the uh, problem-solving court, which is Veterans Court, coding Veterans Court. How do how do veterans find out what resources like yours are available to them in their area? Yeah, so that's that's a big part of our rural outreach is making sure veterans know about our services. Um, sometimes we we um, run advertisements, but it's really us just getting on the road and getting to these counties and sitting down with the veterans, um, and then they can go tell their battle buddies. They can go tell a family member. Um, we connect with local VFWs and American Legions um, to, you know, get the word out about our services specifically. Um, so those are just a few ways, but it's really us getting out there and talking with the veterans and spreading it around by word of mouth. We've reached um, through our Tigers for Troops program, which has just been in existence for a few years, we've been able to reach, I believe, 88 of the 114 counties in Missouri. So we're definitely making our presence known um, and getting out there. But it's still um, pretty cool when we sit down with someone who doesn't know anything about the Veterans Clinic and we get to kind of explain what what we do. And they're just amazed and blown away that they don't know about this already. So um, we've made a lot of progress, but we still have a lot more progress to to continue making and spreading the word about what we do for veterans. Now, is, is, now, is it very from state to state? How different are the resources? Because pretty much the veterans program is a, it's a, it's a federal program. The VA is a federal, a federal administration or federal agency. Um, how does, how does each state differ as far as what types of benefits they can offer their veterans versus others? Martha. All right. Um, so, yeah. So, Sean, the um, as far as um, you know, I mean, you're absolutely right. The, the VA program is a federal program. Every state has different um, state benefits as well, and there's always a state uh, division of um, veteran services that that a veteran can contact. That's easy to look up on on uh, the government, the state government website to find out. And there are really important state uh, benefits. And I would say, in terms of finding out uh, for a veteran, finding out, okay, what where can I go to get the kind of help that Martha's clinic offers is really, if you go to, you know, one of your veteran service organizations, a VFW, you know, um, DAV or one of those big ones, they're going to know those organs, you know, where, where they can point the the veteran to get that kind of, that kind of help. Um, And, you know, with technology today, um, it's amazing how you can reach rural veterans so much easier than in times past. And I, I, I wanted to see what Mark had to say about that in terms of using technology to, to connect the veterans in places where literally there's no one within, you know, uh, 50 miles of the veterans sometimes, or, you know, it's almost uh, completely uh, remote. Um, how technology has worked. And the VA has done a pretty good job also of using technology to make it more accessible for veterans in terms of, connecting with people. I, I just wanted to see what Martha had to say about that and, and how that looks for the future of, of serving rural veterans. Yeah, so COVID was obviously terrible in many, many ways, but there are a few ways I think everyone can acknowledge that our shift to um, using more technology um you know, to bridge the gap in, in certain situations. So in our, like, winter months, 
for example, we um, don't like to get out just because of weather. So we're able to shift and hold all of our consultations via Zoom. So that's one way um, that we that technology has helped a lot. I'll say one way with the VA, maybe the telemedicine services that they started using during COVID, um, that could potentially, if that, you know, continues, um, be helpful to rural veterans. And then on a a lighter note, just social media and our advertisements, I guess, back to your first question about getting the word out. Um, The good thing about having law students working for the clinic is we've got all these young people who are really bright and really good at social media because they've had it in their hands for several years. So it's nice um, that we've got a lot of uh, students, one in particular who handles all of our social media, and she's just really upped our social media presence. So if anyone listening is on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, um, I would encourage them to look us up on those social media platforms and follow along because we, like I said, we have a pretty strong presence these days, and we do reach a lot of veterans that way. There's always the old school. I mean, we we continue to advertise through newspaper. Sometimes we go and put flyers on bulletin boards and coffee shops and McDonald's, you know, those types of places to, to still target, you know, the the older um, demographic of, of veterans. Um and, and we ask in all of our registration, how did you hear about the Veterans Clinic? And I'll tell you, the majority of the people are saying things like, I saw it in the newspaper or I saw it on a bulletin board. But you do get the view that are like, my daughter saw this on Facebook or some Internet resource, you know. So, um, yeah, that's social media and then all the COVID pivots have really kind of benefited the clinic a lot and making our presence known as well. Well, that's a good thing. Basically, COVID did something right, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, Sean, I think she was talking about me, about the like the, you know, the newspaper <laughs> stuff, just so you know. <laughs> so, that, so then now, so also I want the audience to know that you can also go to americashd.org and also find out a lot of the information about what's going on with Martha and also uh, uh, our guests on the, on the show. We can also get information about how to connect with things and resources in your state. So go to americashd.org. Also see us on Facebook Live. We're on Facebook Live right now, YouTube, and on streaming platforms. So uh, back to the discussion. So now – What's, what do you see happening in the future? What do you see the next step is for the program? And what do you want, what do you want to see it evolve to? I guess that's for Martha. Yeah, that's a good question because when I started, that was one of my primary job duties was to, to take over Tigers for Troops, um, keep it alive, keep it running. So um, I think just having more, more frequent um, events. It's kind of hard to, you know, we're still transitioning. COVID still exists, obviously. It's still happening. So we're not fully out of the weeds there. Um, so, you know, we're not we're not reaching as many places as we'd like to. Last year we only had, I think, two or three in-person events. So hopefully that grows and we can do something more like six to ten in-person events. I don't want to get too, too mm-hmm. optimistic because we do have a lot of work. We have a lot of clients to take care of, too. Um, but yeah, I see it growing in the sense that we have more regular um, regular events. We're doing a pretty big event this April um, that's a statewide event. So we're keeping true to our rural promise. And so we've selected counties all across the state with less than 10,000 people. Um, and we're doing a virtual day-long event, basically like a telethon, but on Zoom, um, with appointments available all day with several attorneys. Brent Filbert's actually going to help us out, maybe take a few, just talking to veterans. You know, veterans love to talk. So doing a big event like that, um, really expanding. We're doing an event this 
this fall um, with a golf course that has um, has been designed for disabled people. So wow. um, not that all veterans, you know, need need that kind of assistance, mm-hmm. but we're going to have the event there. Um, where veterans can come and have assistance playing golf all day. There, I think I believe there's even assistance um, available for disabled people to um, go fishing. You know, events like that where it's where it's kind of a full day thing. Um, but we'll also obviously offer the, the legal consultations as well. Um, I do think the program's going to continue to grow. But like I said, we have so many clients. There, there's never a shortage of clients. Wow. So we're busy in the clinic. So. Um, yeah, we're trying to get creative for sure. We'll see how we'll see how it grows over the next few years, but it'll keep growing. I'm positive about that. So this is the thing. So a lot of veterans, when they've been denied once or twice, and God forbid, three times, they get discouraged and they they feel like they you know there's nothing they can do. Most people get turned away from people I've talked to. They usually after one try, that's it. They're they're done. They think it's you know they feel almost like discouraged and almost embarrassed sometimes. It seems like how do you? motivate someone to take another look at trying to get their their decisions overturned or for benefits or even to get help that they need legally? I think that our success rate in the clinic kind of speaks for itself. Um, we, we are successful on many of our claims. And they do take five, sometimes five years, and we tell the veterans, just, just hang with us. We can do this. We'll take care of this for you. Um, some of our client testimonials, I believe one said, they just grabbed me by the shoulders and said, let's go. They just picked me right up and, and they just walked with me. So um, we do walk with our clients side by side um, with them. And um, yeah, we, we just don't give up. We're, we're pretty stubborn in the clinic. Um, so, yeah. So tenacity is good. I like that. <laughs> I like the fire in your belly. So Brent, any last words before we go? No, I think that um, the work with rural veterans is going to be a trend that's going to just keep growing uh, over the next many years. I think technology is going to be a big part of the, part of that for sure. So I really thank Martha for coming on and explaining the, the program, which really does do great work for rural veterans. Martha, I want to congratulate you for your work in graduating law school, getting through a tough time. I know Mr. Brent is probably a, probably was probably a, a tough teacher in some t- cases. You know, probably put you through the ringer, I'm sure. <laughs> But you came out, you made it. He was all right. (laughs) You made it strong, you survived. Now you're in the time. He gave me (laughs) (laughs) A's. You are a bright light in the place where we need it. So thank you guys for both coming on the show. We have Brent G. Filbert. He's a retired U.S. Navy veteran, professor, and director of military law at the Veteran Advocacy Group. And also Martha M. Bradley. She's the attorney and fellow at the University of Missouri Law School Veterans Clinic. Thanks for joining us. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.